What's up, everyone? This is your co-host, Barrett Boom Bostic. Thank you so much for joining us here on No Doubter. This week, we've got an extra special episode for y'all, in which we interview the one and only Ashley Sanders, who was our first ever female guest on this podcast. And honestly, we couldn't think of anyone better to be our first. For almost a year and a half, Ashley has been making a name for herself as an up-and-coming Twitch streamer who has amassed almost 16,000 followers on the platform, a following that she dubs the Sand Squad. And as an avid baseball fan, she commonly streams herself playing MLB The Show. And in this interview, we talk about all of the awesome opportunities her streaming career has brought about from TV appearances, sponsorships, and many more awesome experiences. She does all this while being a senior in college, double majoring in health science and English, and double minoring in chemistry and psychology, a truly admirable feat. We also talk about how she got into baseball, growing up in southwest Chicago, and becoming a generational fan of the Chicago White Sox. We then spend the tail end of our interview, as we typically do, talking about the future of MLB and how it can broaden its appeal, and Ashley certainly brings a unique perspective in that regard. She enlightens us about how MLB can broaden its appeal to female fans specifically and reminds us just how important female representation is within the sport of baseball. Ashley is such a warm friendly, inviting, charismatic, and wonderful human being in every respect, and chatting with her was a tremendous pleasure for us. Without further ado, we present to you our conversation with the one and only Ashley Sanders. Ashley Sanders, what's up? Thank you for joining us. Welcome to No Doubter. Yo, how's it going, Barrett and Travis? Thank you so much for having me on. Is it is this the first podcast you've ever been on? Actually, it's the second. Oh wow! Someone who, uh, beat us. Who have you been on <laughs> been on with? If you don't mind us asking. Ooh, so it was a little while ago. It was um, when was this? This was in the beginning, middle of summer. I say and it was it was with a uh, streamer kdj and his podcast it was really really fun Very there cool. you go oh yeah for sure i mean we shouldn't have expected it you know i mean you're you've been on tv you got your own twitch channel i mean it's to be expected but thank you for gracing uh, gracing our presence uh it's so awesome to have you on um do you did, did do you listen to any podcasts I listen to the Pat McAfee show. I, of course, oh, have to subscribe to Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays, you know. <laughs> um, uh-huh. Other than that, I don't listen to them frequently, although I wish to listen to more of them. Oh, yeah. A great way to pass the time while you're walking to class. Yes. You know, you know, you're a senior in college, mm-hmm. du- double majoring in health science and English, which last I checked, they don't have a lot of classes that overlap each other. No, they do not. It's, it's <laughs> like, how do those... How like that's just such a like two opposite sides of the brain. Like I was the English and social studies guy. That was really my 
my strength was public relations major in college, like writing kind of creative stuff has been more of my background. How did those two things come together for you? Is it just very innate? Did you have to kind of form the more of those two interests over time for them to work together? Tell us about how it's all come together for you. Honestly, it really just stems from my passion of learning. Um, I, I love anything and everything that has to do with school, the subjects, the social aspect, everything. And I know our viewers won't be able to see it, but behind me, there's a huge bookshelf. So I've always been a huge reader growing up. It was something I always turned to. Uh, as for the health science aspect of it all, I, I just love science. Really, I love all subjects, but science and English in particular are my favorites. And the fact that we, you get so much in science, you know, with chemistry, you get the added addition of math. With biology, you get both you know, animal aspects as well as human aspects. And just like the many diversifying subjects that can be covered in both of those areas uh, really sparked my interest. I'm like, I can't just pick between one of them. I'm going to do both and do a double, do a double major. And it's nice because they complement each other so well. You can always use English in anything. And then of course the critical thinking skills that come from health science can definitely be used, for example, in paper writing or analyzing texts in English. Wow, that's very admirable of you, Ashley. I mean, you you know, in high school, you have subjects and it's people are compartmentalized, it seems, Mm -hmm. or at least they're, you know, indirectly incentivized to do that. I'm more math science. I got an engineering degree. Mm -hmm. And you, you just defy that trend and really... As you get older, you realize you can know it all. You don't have to be put into a box. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I work in construction and I can know how to put together a building all day long, but the make it or break it is communication. I tested out of English in college and I wish I took more of it, to be honest. Emails, I mean, everything. The written word is so powerful. And uh, you yourself, you know, were a writer for Southside Sox. Um, You know, that kind of was the precursor to your Twitch uh, streaming uh, career. How did did you get involved with that organization? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Southside Sox... um, so Brett is the chief and editor in chief, excuse me, over there. He runs it all. And so uh, in April of 2019, he reached out to me via Twitter DM. He was like, hey, I know that you're a huge White Sox fan. Obviously, you know, I'm, I'm aware of you being in uh, college, talking about English, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so he extended an offer for, uh, to me and having both passions of writing and White Sox baseball combined into one, there's like really no better pairing than that. So it was an obvious yes. And it's been a lot of fun over the past couple of years. That's awesome. Ashley, you are, uh, you, you reside in the Chicagoland area. I believe that's where you're originally from, uh, but kind of expanding more into sports in general, because you're really into it all. Uh, you're, Loyalty lies with the White Sox, but I also take it from some of the stuff I've seen you post on Twitter that you are also a Packers fan and a Bucks fan. Yes. How does, uh, <laughs> I feel like, you know, <laughs> the states of Wisconsin and Illinois don't mm-hmm. tend to get along very well. Milwaukee yes. and Chicago, quite the rivalry. How How is it that, you know, you're, you've got your love there on the south side of Chicago, but you know, you're not... You're not into the Bears or the Bulls. Mm-hmm. It's rather it's the Packers and the Bucks. To, Absolutely. <laughs> how did that come about? Yeah, that can definitely be confusing. So the first thing, first things first, 
is Packers and football was my first major love when it comes to professional sports. So nice. my Nana, who is my mom's mom, she was born and raised uh, just outside of the Milwaukee area in Racine, Wisconsin, if you all are familiar. Um, growing up, her dad and then she were huge Packers fans, listened to it on the radio, watched it on TV each and every single game. So she uh, relocated to Illinois when she met uh, my papa, so my mom's dad uh, in college, Quincy College, if y'all are familiar. And um, he, my papa, is from the St. Louis side of Illinois, Pena more specifically, really deep south in Illinois. And so they relocated into the Chicagoland area. And um, when they had kids, so my mom, uh, my papa, being a Cardinals fan, was not going to take them to Cubs games, so we took them to White Sox. <laughs> games. So then my mom grew up a huge White Sox fan. She passed that down to me. So that's where the Packers and White Sox come from. Uh, as for the Milwaukee Bucks, that's actually kind of recent. Uh, that just started a couple years ago. I wasn't really big into the NBA for no other reason than I simply didn't have time uh, to watch it. <laughs> Uh, however, because of the pandemic and then even a couple seasons before as Giannis was getting uh, more and more attention, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Oh, I was yeah. like, let's check out this Bucks basketball team. You know, I'm a huge fan uh -huh. of Wisconsin in general. We always went there on family trips, lake houses. Um, I've been to Lambeau in 2014. Wow. So I recently got into the Bucks. Obviously, of course, the championship run over the summer was really, really exciting. <laughs> and I'm hoping for a repeat after this season. Oh, yeah. Giannis is, is slowly becoming the face of basketball mm -hmm. right now. You know, he is a likable person there. So that's cool. So your whole family, you know, is all in it on the White Sox. Oh, uh, yeah. For the most part, it's really my mom, my stepdad and myself who are really into it. I am being the biggest. I try oh, to get my yeah. other siblings in on it. They're huge football people, but I'm definitely the biggest baseball fan of everyone. Uh, yeah, there you go. I mean, mm -hmm. football is the most popular sport in America, but, you know, we're yeah. all on a quest to make it baseball more popular. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's different. You know, growing up in high school, I had friends who were bigger fans than I was and they taught me to like it's it's about learning how to watch it within mm -hmm. every pitch there's so much drama to it and it can turn on a dime and yes. football is a little more easy to follow you know the ball goes you know it oh you're tackled ah oh, touchdown and I'm not saying that's bad it's very entertaining mm -hmm. obviously but uh, baseball can be pretty cool and Oh, so yeah. that's you could say oh, that baseball yeah. is both an art and a science. I think it's there. You <laughs> I go. See what you did there. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so I want to kind of get into you know your Twitch career. You know that's why you're here. You know going at it since May of 2020, uh, mm -hmm. you've amassed almost 16,000 followers as of this recording. A very novel feat. Um, you know, impressive feats, shall I say. On your YouTube channel, you posted a video documenting a year's worth of the journey yes. uh, between May 2020 and 2021. And we'll go ahead and throw that in the description below because I think that's really going to give the, the audience, uh, your fans, just a really good glimpse. If they haven't checked it out already, it's really cool that you documented all that. And we have, you know, a couple of questions that stem from that video and, and really, you know, you talked about joining Southside Sox following Lucas Giolito in the Players League last year. Um, what um, and and what year again did you say you you joined Southside Sox? Twenty nineteen, so two years ago. Oh man, it's you know a lot a lot's happened in two years yes. <laughs> there. Yeah, and you know we've checked out some of your articles for Southside Sox. And, you know they're very in depth. It seems like 
in the blog sphere, there's a lot of baseball writers who go really in depth on sabermetrics and analytics. Mm-hmm. And um, do you think in MLB today, do you think sabermetrics is overemphasized? Do you think it's not emphasized enough? Uh, what is your viewpoint on that? I think that question depends on who you ask for the most part, for the most part. So obviously, obviously I feel like the younger generation of baseball fans are really adapting and growing and loving the sabermetric side. Uh, at the same note, the more older generations of fans who are watching baseball uh, obviously love the more, you know, it's your gut instinct. You got to know your players have to know their positioning, what to do. Uh, however, I feel like there's a really nice balance that can be found. You know, analytics, they're not the tell all story. You always hear at least once, maybe every half inning like oh you're not going to find that on the stat sheet but so and so did this that helped the team in this way so in that aspect I really think there can be a nice complement a nice balance of accepting embracing sabermetrics while also staying true to the you know what this is my gut instinct I'm not going to have the shift on and this is why and if it pays out great if it doesn't learn for next time but I do think there has to be like a symbiotic relationship between the two uh, if you're just going to jar heads between us uh, sabermetrics and uh, going by gut, going by something else, I think that's going to draw more of a rift. So if anything, I think it should be uh, over-explained or over-accepted the relationship between the two rather than um, putting them against one another. There you go. You know, you can. There, there's beauty in both. Have, mm-hmm. you re- have you read or seen the movie Moneyball? Okay, I have not, and <laughs> oh, wow. I'm not proud of the facts. It's on the list. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I, I would say it, it needs to be at the top of your list. It mm-hmm. describes the way the game is played today. And just, you know, I think you would eat it up. And it's a book that's a very easy read. The author is a mm-hmm. very well-decorated author. He wrote another book called The Big Short, which they made a movie on. Yeah, was yeah. nominated for several Oscars. And Moneyball's mm-hmm. a great movie. You could just watch the movie. You know, that's a good use of your time. Or the, I would recommend the book, though, because it goes into a lot more in-depth. And, uh-huh. you know, you love to read. You know, I listened to the audiobook, and I was just mind blown yeah (laughs) very eye-opening but yeah i mean that's good you know in this world series you got dusty baker who never changes his lineup he's super old school 72 year old man but then you got the rays who change their lineup every (laughs) single day (laughs) and they shift like crazy so i mean it could be played both ways but ultimately it just comes down to do you win or do you lose? Does it work or does it not? <laughs> so. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could definitely, there might be a little bit of recency bias. Of course, the White Sox <laughs> losing to your Astros. There are many, many times where I'm like, Tony Larusa. had we put a man in the hole by second base, it would have saved so much stress, possibly even changing a couple results. Oh, but of course, man. hindsight is twenty twenty. Oh, yeah. To see those two dinosaurs go at it in the ALDS. <laughs> that was something I really wanted to see them, you know, do the little run out mm-hmm. to and chew out the ump. But alas, yes. I mean, Tony LaRusa did go at it in game four, but, mm-hmm. you know, Dusty didn't. They have a long history against each other, too, mm-hmm. which uh, very, very heated. Um, but anyway, back to the video. So. You know, you write about Lucas Giolito, you get some notoriety through that, you get MLB The Show 2020, and then you start streaming and in the pandemic, and and really, it just seems like you're so open to knowledge and so open to learning, which, I mean, that's really awesome because knowledge is power, and it just mm-hmm. seems like you're not pigeonholing yourself in there. Do you think that 
do you think that's you know that inkling within you to just you know go for it just absorb knowledge do you think that made you more um apt to kind of dive into this twitch streaming thing head first just going for it not knowing what was going to happen Oh, for sure. It was just, it's always been on my mind, obviously. Well, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, the pandemic brought about this opportunity. Uh, but yeah, just the whole learning element. It's like, why not go for this? Who knows what might happen? Um, I'm, I've never really feared a challenge. Of course, you're going to fail, but like there's a beauty in failing because then you can kind of see what goes wrong, reassess wrong, uh, then reassess what is going on and then uh, prepare and be better and uh, improve. And I've been very fortunate that so much has gone right in Twitch. But on the same note, there have been things that have gone wrong that I've had to kind of work through, go through. And uh, at the end of the day, it's still been really, really fun. I enjoy it. I'm learning things all the time, especially with the amount and the diversity uh, that's represented through the Sand Squad, through my Twitch chat. And it's been really, really fun. Uh, Not not only knowing the platform, but truly getting to know uh, usernames, which of course become people who become Uh stories, uh, who become friends. And it's been such a treat and such a treasure to have that opportunity uh, to listen and really indulge in all of these stories. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Baron and I, we, uh, I guess young creators having just started this earlier this year, like we have very Mm -hmm. much learned that the, you, you cannot wait ultimately until like you, have just like this sort of perfect vision or sort of like feeling gut feel of it's going to be perfect execution for something when you're trying to start it or else you will ultimately never start. <laughs> our, our, we, we've, we've both gotten so much better every time we hop on and do one of these shows here and have just had like some really cool opportunities have come in a short amount of time. And ultimately we have bigger and better goals for someday, but we just keep seeing all these little cool things uh, that happen along the way. So just being able to uh, talk with you on our show today, it's like, this is that this makes it all worth it. This makes it all fun to be, being able to celebrate uh, in the process. And it seems like from that video, like you have a very keen like awareness of everything that has happened along the way and truly being able to celebrate and enjoy what you have right now while ultimately having bigger goals to come in the future. Yeah, thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what? the pandemic i've 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 seen so many creators just in music you know i've heard entire albums being made in that period of isolation it just sounds like mm-hmm. it was a moment for all of us to kind of self reflect you know reevaluate things potentially or just kind of mm-hmm. coast through it and it's just really cool that that was something great came out of it you were able to manufacture community when we were so deprived of it in person i mean you have you have a legitimate following people who know and care about you because you dove into this head first. And in that video, it, you just kind of chronolog everything from becoming an affiliate to eventually becoming a partner. Really cool opportunities being sponsored by GameStop, being featured on you know MLB's YouTube Game of the Week a couple times. And you know, if for people who watch that and they want to be streamers themselves, it's almost like you know, I, you know, I or you wouldn't want someone to expect that out of nothing because, you know, Ashley, as much as you don't want to admit it, you know, all of these have happened for a reason, and it's 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 really because of who you are. I mean, you're 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 someone with an infectious personality, and whether you're knowingly or no or unknowingly, really good at what you do. <laughs> you know, you. yeah, and so people they they evaluate success as a streamer differently 
if on your Switch streaming channel, which currently has almost 16,000 followers, how do you define its success? That is a very, very good question. Um, basically, my goal going into every single stream, or a couple of goals, I should say, mm-hmm. is first and foremost, we're creating a safe space where anyone, regardless on um, where they come from, how they identify, uh, whether or not they're just simply having a good or bad day, can feel welcome, can talk baseball, can obviously talk about subjects outside of baseball, and feel a connection, especially as you said, Barrett, a connection we've been so deprived from over this past year and a half during this ongoing pandemic. Uh, So that's always goal number one, is to make sure that people have a space where they can go to, they can either chill for a couple of hours, they can engage for a couple of couple of hours they can consume the stream the wish they the way they wish to consume it and hopefully of course that's in a positive matter that can hopefully uplift them at the very least it just gives them a deep breath from maybe a hardship that is going on uh currently in their life uh the second goal is just uh continuing off of that first one is engaging of course with those people like so many of them i truly consider my friends you know they they pop into stream it's always i take the first 5 10 15 minutes of stream just saying hello to everyone answering questions it's usually just a simple hey red sox guy how are you hey how are you thank you so much for asking so on and so forth it's nice to see names and be like oh hey t ryan you know how do the blue jays do or i know what they did you know um tell me more about this place so it's nice that i'm able to to have an ongoing conversation. It may end when stream stops, but then, of course, there's social media that keeps it going. And then when stream picks back up again, we can pick back up that conversation. So it's really nice just holding those relationships and growing those relationships, uh, which is really exciting. And then, of course, goal number three, you got to enjoy whatever it is that you're doing on stream. So, of course, we play a lot of MLB The Show. So uh, mm-hmm. it's always nice, of course, to get those winning streaks. You know, oh, yeah. as of late, the losing streaks have, uh, oh, have uh, yeah. come out out of nowhere, which is rather unfortunately. But I have mm. been fortunate to have a lot more winning streaks than losing streaks. So it's always nice, of course, uh, when the gameplay can complement uh, the first two goals of stream. That's awesome. It seems like you're in it for admirable reasons. Um, really, for any creative endeavor, creating a podcast, doing a Twitch streaming, you know, you can go into it and easily just be about, you know, uh, egotistical, wanting to make a lot of money, and really, you know, uh, people aren't turned on to that. And and you're creating a community because you know. You know, they truly, people truly care about you. I've watched several of your streams and you acknowledge them. You treat them like people. You get excited when they subscribe. I mean, it's just, uh, I, you know, I think that's a, a lot to your success. I mean, it's not necessarily about the number itself, but it's quality o- over quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, you know, you know, the quantity helps, but, you know, it's like us. We can't look at our downloads. It's the community ourselves. So that's just, that's so awesome just seeing that. Um, what role do you think Twitch streamers have in broadening baseball's appeal? Oh, my goodness. I, I truly think they have a uh, major role in broadening baseball's appeal. Uh just from my own personal experience, which I know is not uh, mm-hmm. universal across all Twitch streamers or baseball streamers, is so people have come in and been like, hey, you know, I haven't watched baseball. I haven't played the show in years. But uh, because of your excitement, because of the experience of your stream, I, I turned on the TV and watched the game or I, I picked up a copy of last year's edition of the show to get back into baseball. Like, that 
that's exciting. You know, as we know, baseball is becoming an older, I'm not going to say <laughs> dying sport. I, I truly don't think it's dying, especially with um, a ton of these boosted postseason numbers, which are so good for the sport. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, we definitely have a grasp on the younger generation. Of course, the younger generation is what's going to grow up and continue baseball and restart the cycle over and over again. Uh, so through that and having that audience, I think it's very important as streamers that we recognize that opportunity and, of course, use it to everyone's advantage of growing the sport and most importantly the love of baseball oh yeah it's it, it's an it's a group effort youtubers mm-hmm. podcasters yes. switch streamers meet the people where they're at show them that baseball mm-hmm. can be fun yes. you know i mean as far as the sport itself and you know we'll kind of go ahead and transition to looking more at the sport itself and we asked this question to everybody and we, the reason why is because everyone's perspective is different. Um, we've interviewed people, old and young, purists, and people who are just all in on the new school. Your perspective is some is one that we are very, very excited about. Um, so just in general, what do you think MLB can do to uh, reverse its albeit slight, slightly, albeit steadily, um, over time, uh, declining popularity trend. One thing is embracing the players, uh, and yeah. more importantly, the personalities of every single of every single player. I mean, we have freaking Fernando Tatis Jr. Oh, yeah. and of course, you know, I'll bring in your mean Mercedes. Not not on the same level, but okay, they both yeah. had something in common. They three zero swung on uh, two different seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tatis, it was a grand slam. Your mean a late inning home run. Very yeah. exciting plays. You are not guaranteed an at bat. After your uh, current one, uh, that needs to be celebrated. Just that fun stuff. Who cares if there's an unwritten rule that you can't score many (laughs) runs? Uh, When it's contract season, no one is going to give you extra money because you took that 3-0 pitch. So it's embracing the personality, the fun, you know. It's nice to see the customization of cleats. It's nice to see the the pink armbands that Tatis sports uh, every game. Of course, pink not being uh, one of the Padres' main colors. It's fun seeing Vladdy just go out and hit absolute tanks and like the huge smile that envelopes his face uh that needs to be on poster boards along the highways on commercials and video games it is honestly really really fun because if you see someone having fun you're like hey why are they having fun i thought baseball wasn't fun you turn on the channel you see some bat flips you see you know pitchers and batters going back and forth but like they respect each other as they do it uh that definitely needs to be uh at the top of mob's uh prerogative in really marketing these players and allowing them their fun if I'm oh, the yeah. Los Angeles Angels going into next year, I am like finding some sort of campaign to put together for Shohei Otani yes. and Mike Trout together. Yes. It's like yes. as yes. like SoCal's version of the Bash Brothers or something mm-hmm. like that. Like do something, <laughs> do something to piss off the uh, <laughs> the Bay Area folks up there, and uh, <laughs> yeah, bring some excitement into it. Because I mean, yeah, the Angels definitely they fly under the radar, and they're just mm-hmm. kind of the sleepy Southern California suburban team, and they could they could use that excitement of especially how well the Dodgers been doing lately to uh generate some uh some fun for their fan base 
Oh, oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, MLB, they've been marketing teams. It's mm-hmm. not teams that people care about. It's people. Yes. I mean, people love LeBron James, and they'll root for him whether he's with, you know, with the Cavaliers or the, you know, the Heat or wherever. They follow him because mm-hmm. he's LeBron James. So you're definitely on to something there. I think that's especially true. I think it's especially true, like, with, with like, the, the kids now growing up. Mm-hmm. I feel like... This makes us a Barry and I both sound really old and we're like in our late 20s here and saying this, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it's, uh, I mean, like when I was growing up, uh, every, it was more about the team. Like I grew up here in Dallas, Dallas Cowboys. Like I like knew like other guys in my neighborhood that like everybody, so I wasn't, I really kind of was a little late bloomer with sports and like a lot of things in life. And so, uh, I didn't really care that it took later on in life till I really started caring about sports, but like everybody I knew, like they love the Cowboys, but they had all sorts of different players, like jerseys from the Cowboys there. But it's like very much like kids now, they are not buying into a sport based on really like the local team in their area. Mm-hmm. Like you've got kids in like, can maybe grow up, uh, grow up in Detroit. They don't really care about the Detroit Pistons, but man, they love LeBron, and so they'll have yeah. a <laughs> they'll have a Lakers jersey. And when the Lakers are coming to Detroit, they're uh, they're going to be sure to have it. So yeah, I think Major League Baseball is definitely missing out on that opportunity right now by not understanding and getting that it's like, hey, it really is about the players. Like they bring so much individually, like personality and mm-hmm. how they play the game there to the field that that should be an attractive aspect. For fans I 100% to catch on. agree. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So would you is would you say that Lucas Giolito is still your favorite player currently? Oh, one hundred percent. He and Tim Anderson, they're they're just incredible. Oh. I, I love them. Oh, they're yeah. they're amazing. Yeah, and you know, case in point, there. I mean, is it more than just their on field performance that you're drawn to? Oh, it, it's it's on field and off field. And I, I feel like especially in today, uh, there should be some attention or even more attention to the off field um, work that players put in because you're more than the person who wears a uniform during a one seven o'clock game. Uh, you are also what you are off the field. And I just love both of those guys being social activists. Lucas Giolito, his wife, being a fourth year veterinary student, uh, uh, she has the Orphan Kitten Project at her university. So, you know, embracing charity work. Uh, Tim Anderson has a couple of organizations uh, right here in the south side of Chicago uh, that works well with um, undeserved, uh, or um, excuse me, what's the word I'm looking for? Underserved. Uh, underserved thank you thank you, thank you. <laughs> Und- underserved uh, areas to really bring opportunities like in the ace program um, and it's really really awesome to see them have incredible if not more success off the field so then when Tim Anderson is winning the batting title in 2018 Lucas Giolito or 2019 Lucas Giolito throwing a no-hitter it just makes those moments even extra special right even when they're special just to begin with Oh yeah, you know that's why that that that's just case in point. It makes so much sense. Just why you know anybody would be drawn to these players, and mm-hmm. you know you could be like Mike Trout and not want to be flashy, and that's that's his prerogative. Mm-hmm. But you know you got people who urinator. He wants to. He just wants to urin. You know, wants to speak in the third person, and you know that's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So, oh yeah. Um. So. Lucas Giolito, Giolito, Anderson, you know, they're your favorite players now. Who is your favorite player of all time? So it's going to be biased to the White Sox. Um, yeah. But I love Minnie Minoso. Uh, he's, he's just incredible. The whole history, of course, 
uh, being one of the first uh, the first black Cuban player uh, on the White Sox, uh, I believe wow. in the league as well, if I'm not mistaken. Of course, he, uh, when Jose Abreu uh, was brought in in 2014, really took Abreu under his wings uh, to continue that legacy. And it's just really special. Of course, I never witnessed uh, Minnie Minoso play in real time, but to go mm-hmm. back and read about the history, view clips that are available, uh, use his card in the show, which I'm go. very good with, which uh, not oh, yeah. many people can say, but it's always nice when you appreciate and admire someone, and then you're also good with him in a video game. How much does it pay? Does it pain you to see Chris Sale now having the success that he is having uh, out in Boston? <laughs> and the, thinking back to when he was like the only thing <laughs> in the uh, in the clubhouse there for the White Sox. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's a little painful. You know, he got his <laughs> ring, which I'm happy for him, first and yeah. foremost. Happy he got his ring. Happy he's continuing uh, his success with the Red Sox. But uh, as you said, Travis, yeah, he was really the only bright spot for a very long time. You knew on his starts the White Sox were going to win. Uh, there was not that promise, the other four starters. Yeah, I think it was... I'm thinking back to, I think it was like 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was watching when, yeah, my Rangers were playing up at the White Sox and Chris Sale had the had the star on the mound that day. And I think, yeah, he led like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he shut down my Rangers. And, mm-hmm. but like the, this is like a, the, White Sox had like one of like the three worst offenses in all of Major League Baseball that year. And so the final score was like one to nothing or two to Mm -hmm. one. Uh, The White Sox won it, but Chris Sale was just absolutely incredible out there on the mound. And I was like, I'm just like this ridiculously tall, lanky kid with like Mm -hmm. a a throwing motion. It's like, what on earth is he doing? But he's successful at doing it. So it's, uh, yeah, just one of those gritty kind of blue collar work workhorse type of stories mm-hmm. that like you you can't help but appreciate the White Sox because of that and kind of the lore of what they've brought to Major League Baseball historically over time. Absolutely. And I'm not going to lie. Uh, I uh, I am very pleased with Yoan Moncada and Michael Kopech. And then, of course, when Chris Sale did come back to Chicago for the first time since getting traded, uh, he faced up, well, faced up, of course, he didn't actually face him, Dylan Covey and the White mm. Sox. And the White Sox won that game one nothing. <laughs> So it's like, ha ha, Chris Sill. Then Chris Sill's like, see my ring over here? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, he, he's got the bling. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the White Sox, uh, they broke an almost 100-year drought and won in 05. Um, uh, you're 21 years old, right? Correct? Yes. So yes. you were born in t- 2000? 1999. Oh, birthday. you're barely a 90s kid. I know, I know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so you're going to take it, though. You're going to be turning 22 okay, I feel like, soon. though, it's... My personal definition of a 90s kid, I feel like that's more towards you got to be b- born in the early 90s, but hey, we'll, we'll let it slide this time. <laughs> I, I let it slide because I'm like, you know, I have two older brothers who were born 92 and 95, so I'm like, hey, you know, if they're 92, 95, I, I might be 99, but because you can live of vicariously through them. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the Braves want to party like it's 1999. Well, they are because they are in the World Series, yes. So, <laughs> but they want to party like it's 1995. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're recording on thursday october the 28th so we're right in the middle of the world series but uh back to that i so i guess if you were born in 99 do you have any memories of the 05 championship 
Unfortunately, I do not because I didn't yeah. really get into watching baseball every single day until around 2012. Oh, uh, so I didn't okay. miss out on that opportunity. So I'm still looking for like my first time uh, viewing the White Sox winning a World Series, which will hopefully happen in the next three years. Oh, yeah. So, but, you know, you said you didn't start getting it until 2012, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, you know, we're ta- all kind of tying this back to baseball, its popularity trend, you know, what were catalyst moments for people, you know, so it's all kind of tying together. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, at what point did you consider baseball something of interest when was that moment that it wasn't just something out there and you were like oh this is actually cool i'm actually i actually enjoy this yeah absolutely so always was a white Sox fan growing up when people ask hey white Sox or cubs it was always white Sox because mm-hmm. of my mom um and then you know i remember i went to build a bear when i was younger and i got a little white Sox t-shirt for the stuffed animal growing up loved playing baseball loved uh in gym class when we would go out to the diamonds even if we were just playing kickball it was nice to have that feel uh, but then junior high school came around in 2011-ish. And then uh, seventh grade was like, what, 2012, 2013 for myself. And I had a couple close friends who were really into baseball. And I was like, you know what? Let's sit down. Let's turn on a White Sox game. I always say I'm a White Sox fan. Let's actually experience it. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, that was in around August of 2012. So I didn't see the whole season. But what I saw, it was really exciting, even for yeah, a decently good team. I think 2012 was one of the last times under Robin Ventura's reign that the team had at least a winning record. Uh, so it was really exciting, and uh, because of that passion and me just uh, loving sports as well as looking to break barriers, um, the summer before eighth grade, I actually tried out for the boys' baseball team. Like, oh, that's wow. how much I truly <laughs> love the sport of baseball and wanted to it. take action in my own life. Oh, yeah, there you go. I mean, you watch the Little League World Series, and you see mm-hmm. girls pitching and striking people out you know you know it's there's what is that movie you know i mean there's no crying in baseball movie with tom hanks i'm blanking it's where they play their own yeah they played it during world war ii you know Mm -hmm. throw overhand baseball uh so you tried out for the team did you ever Mm -hmm. play softball I did not. I did not. I'm like, it's baseball or nothing for me. And uh, unfortunately, didn't make the team for a variety of reasons that we don't have to go into detail that, uh, right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I'm glad that I did what I did. If anything, it just encouraged me to keep doing what I was doing, even through all of the trouble I had during that weekend of tryouts. I'm like, we women belong here. I belong here. And uh, it's not going to end just because I don't have a jersey on my back. Well, there you go. And, you know, you talk about that, and that's the perfect segue to our next question. You know, we're so interested in your perspective, Ashley, because, you know, you know you're a woman and, you know, baseball, it, it it's already, a, it can be perceived as a small base, but it's, it's a sad day when it's almost exclusively perceived as a boys club. I mean, it's just, that, that that's just inherently sad. So what can MLB do differently, if anything? Uh, to appeal to a broader female fan base specifically? Oh, wow. That is a very good question. It's just a simple, it could be as simple as providing access uh, to baseball and really bringing knowledge and awareness. Uh, people like Alyssa uh, Nakin with the Giants, Kim Ning with the Miami Marlins, like, they're, they shouldn't just get one press conference or one commercial. Those have to be 
idols um, um, for not just little girls everywhere, but literally any little kid who can see someone who looks like them and know that they can belong. I think more representation within the sport itself. So then when it does become broadcast and if people can see themselves on TV, no matter their age, that's how you're like, hey, that person looks like me. Why can't I do that? Why can't I enjoy the same things that they do? So it is up to Major League Baseball to uh, be aware of that and also recognize that there have been countless women for years uh, who have been able to become a general manager of a baseball team. They were just never given the opportunity because they wanted to go back into their their list of historically old white guys uh, that could take those <laughs> positions. When you give someone uh, who has worked so hard, if not even harder, because maybe they they obviously weren't players, uh, so to get into baseball and to truly recognize their work, no one's asking for a pity hire, oh, just because you're a woman, let's hire you. No, we hired you because you know your stuff, you are more than qualified, and it's about time you have the opportunity to do something that has not been done before in this sport. Oh, uh, yeah. It seems like you're aware of Kidang's story mm-hmm. there. I mean, her GM hire is 20 years overdue. Yeah, uh, it literally is. She's been in the sport mm-hmm. for 30 years. She could have, she was more than qualified to be a GM with the Dodgers, but they just simply wouldn't do it because, you know, she was a woman. And mm-hmm. it, yeah. it's a shame, you know, but this year is a first in a lot of respects. You have Kim, Kim Ang being the first ever female GM for the Marlins. Earlier this year on YouTube TV, there was an all-female broadcast crew mm-hmm. for a game of the week, Rays versus Orioles, back in July. And then on ESPN, they aired the first female commentating duo for any regular or postseason MLB, NFL, or NBA game. Jessica Mendoza of Melanie, Melanie Newman. They called a Padres versus Dodgers game in September. Do you think MLB is is starting to turn the corner with female representation and inclusion? You would obviously hope, and those two instances are very, very good signs. I had the opportunity to participate in that live YouTube chat uh, during yeah. the game of the week, all-female broadcast, and exactly. it was honestly like... It, it was very hard not to be a little teary-eyed as like I'm typing a few messages because it's such a long time coming. It is so amazing to see someone um, who is just like you be given that opportunity, thrive in that opportunity, not even given the opportunity, earned that freaking opportunity. Oh, yeah, for sure. And truly thrive in that setting because um, they're just fantastic women all the way around. I'm a huge fan of Sarah Langs who did um, oh, yeah. uh, the analyst uh, uh, segments during during that uh, YouTube game of the week, and it was really, really fun just to see her in ac- see her in action and just propel the baseball world with her countless knowledge, um, anything and everything uh, baseball statistics. Oh yeah, you know when it comes to eva- evaluating baseball, there's been a lot, and this is for all sports. There's a lot of um, I, I, I I'm struggling to find the word. There's a lot of emphasis or I guess preference towards people who have played the sport, mm-hmm. and not taking away from that. That experience is unique, mm-hmm. and you know when you see John Smoltz calling the World Series, he has invaluable experience. But you know it's 
it's just still a sport that people can grasp and learn about and comment in a way that is valid and educational because you can be the most experienced baseball player on the planet, but you also have to be a little entertaining in a sense if you're in that position. You know, if you have the personality of a gnat, then no one's going to care what you have to say. You know, you can be engaging, you can have a personality that's infectious, and you can be someone that people can relate to so i'm all for it you know it doesn't matter if you've never played or played you know you know kid pitch or coach pitch i mean you know it's all about that and so you look up to, to sarah langs are there any mm-hmm. other female uh, personalities in baseball media or the content creation space that you look up to Oh, absolutely. I am a huge fan of Justine Siegel. Uh, she was the first woman to throw out batting practice. She was wearing an Oakland, an Oakland athletics uniform during that time. Uh, she also works with the organization Baseball for All, providing baseball to all kids and not just little boys. And it's really, really been exciting to follow her journey, see her good work with Baseball for All. And uh, hopefully it's a movement that keeps on going, keeps on picking track keeps on picking up traction because they're really doing a lot of good stuff over there that's awesome yeah i mean we can only hope baseball is slow to change um in some ways that's a good thing but it's becoming apparent you know that we're in a day and age where people are more open to change Mm -hmm. it took them forever to have protective netting to the foul poles so many people got injured or you know unfortunately died with balls getting smacked in the face and you know it just it took them way too long for that and um but it can change a lot. This offseason is the collective bargaining agreement. So a lot of change can happen. And yeah. this is a hot topic. It's very divisive. But Ashley, uh, should baseball adopt the universal DH? Yes, 100%. Yes, <laughs> no, no hesitation. hesitation. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, there. I don't know. There's something to pitchers batting. The, the Bartolo colognes are uh, few and far <laughs> between. But. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. It was fun when Dylan Cease went three for three against the Cincinnati Reds, just barely uh, missing a home run. Uh, fun oh, yeah. scene, of course, Cologne getting that home run off of James Shields. Uh, but... That is a very minuscule amount of plate appearances for pitchers. (laughs) A great majority is bunting a runner over, striking out with the bases loaded in two outs, and then, of course, the whole puzzling of the pieces with um, uh, substitutions. It is just people want to see home runs. Home runs sell tickets. Let the people have what they want. Pitchers are freaking amazing athletes. We're not all Shohei Otanis. Um, Let them focus on just being dominant on the mound and not risk injury at the plate. Uh, it, it it's just you see a fish out of water when you have pitchers from the AL go to the NL and mm-hmm. they try to bats and they're yes. like stepping away from the pitch. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I mean, we I would be useless on the on at the at the plates and mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, it was fun while it lasted. It's time to move on. Let's go for specialized. And if you have a guy like Shohei, then he can pitch and bat the same game. Oh, absolutely! It, Celebrate know. him. It's so fantastic what he is doing. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, let's just hope that baseball is open to all of that, all of what we just suggested. Yes. You know, it's because the the older people are going to they're going to go and they're going to be gone. And the younger people are only getting younger. So yeah. I w- 
let's just hope. Let's hope yes. that if there's a strike, it doesn't last too long. That's mm-hmm. the last thing baseball needs. We don't need 1994 again. So mm-hmm. we'll see. should have won that World Series, just saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. Uh, mm-hmm. You can talk to the Expos and they could yep. have said the same thing. <laughs> yeah, 100%. yeah. Yeah, there. So, um, so uh, looking at the White Sox now, do you think Tony Larusa is still the right guy? No. I, <laughs> oh man! I I was not a fan of his hiring at all. Of course, I uh, don't have all the time in the world to go into the many <laughs> reasons, in my opinion, why he should not have been uh, rehired as the White Sox manager. Um, however, he was, so I had no control of the situation. It was like, cool, let's give Tony a chance because we don't have any other options. <laughs> and just to see time and time again throughout the season. Uh, whether it's not knowing a base running rule, so he puts Liam Hendricks on uh, second base in extra innings against the Reds, <laughs> loses the ball games. Whether oh, it's wow. not understanding the shifts, other baseball rules that come into play, um, apologizing to another team for a 3-0 home run. Yerman Mercedes, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, I mean... Yeah, justifying your own players being beans with pitches. It, ex- so exactly. It, <laughs> it was... It was such a headache. It still is a headache because it's just like, I, I mean, at least surface level, I mean, take it with a grain of salt or maybe take it more serious. Um, all of the players, when spoken to media, uh, when messaging on their own social medias, they have positive words to say about Tony Russa. At the end of the day, that's what matters. They're the ones that have to show up to that clubhouse, have to deal with his antics, he to them as well, and go out and perform. Um, I was really hoping they would win the World Series, uh, not because of TLR, but in spite of him. There obviously, you go. Uh, mm-hmm. that did not happen. Um, but unless there's major improvement, it looks, of course, he has that multi-year contract. Of course, he could have opted out. It looks like he will be back uh, for the 2022 season. Uh, we'll see, of course, if he grew and learned from both the regular season and the postseason. Um, but we have such a talented group of guys that just based on last year's performance, I mean, I wanted someone else besides Ricky Renteria, uh, but Ricky Renteria could have done minimally uh, what Tony La Russa accomplished this season, especially with the Arsenal players the White Sox have. Um, of course, unfortunate injuries with Aloy Jimenez, Luis Robert amongst two. Uh, Ricky could have at least done the same job, get the sack to the postseason, uh, play however you wanted to against the Astros. Not saying they would have beaten the Astros. They probably still would have lost regardless of who was managing. Um, but just little decisions here and there, especially the last two months of the regular season where we saw so many players resting. Of course, there's a true science to that, especially with a 60-game season. You don't no. want to risk injury. But the team just lost momentum. I wouldn't say they lost chemistry, but they definitely lost like lineup chemistry of knowing who's batting before me, who's batting behind me, where is my protect- protection and how can I really um, look into this at bat knowing who came before me, who's going to do whatever behind me. And there, it was just so disconjointed at the end of the season, which was a true shame because I really had high expectations for this team, albeit a young team. Oh, yeah. And so the White Sox, you know, they won an 05. They've gone through ups and downs. They've done rebuilding and they have a pretty a stellar lineup. You know, they got the veterans. They got the young guys. Do you, do you think the Sox are on the cusp of winning a World Series soon? And if so, how many more years do you think it'll take? 
I, I honestly do. Obviously, there's always going to be bias in my answer. Uh, but just looking at the guys and what they're able to do. Of course, Luis Robert, he came back from injury. No one would have known. He batted over 300 the rest of the oh, way, yeah. uh, which was really exciting to see. Aloy Jimenez, of course, had a little uh, bump in the road, which is expected because he had a uh, much more difficult injury to overcome. Asmani Grandal just hitting tanks after his knee surgery oh, yeah. was really, really cool. So we've seen in glimpses. Says, uh, what these players can do. Obviously, I'd listed a whole bunch of batters. We all know Lucas Gilito, Carlos Rodon. Unfortunately, Aaron Bummer had a down year. Uh, Michael Kopech and Garrett Crochet, starters in college, trying to figure out the bullpen role. At least one of those guys uh, should be a starter going into next season, the other of which uh, should hopefully be a starter at some point next season or even the season following. So there's such a talented young group that just needs to grow in the sport. I'm glad we got that postseason experience against your Houston Astros Barrett uh, because (laughs) I don't want to sound overzealous when saying this but the Houston Astros are how I envision the White Sox Uh, as soon as next season under the right leadership under the right coaches and uh, just putting together all that they have learned over these past two successful seasons of 2020 and 2021. There you go. Wow. Yeah. So sometime in the next five years, Sox, mm-hmm. they're going to get it. I would say yeah. three years. Be oh, there you go. That's how you do it. You know, they got everybody. When I was watching them in the ALDS, I mean, they're scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they can go off at any time. I mean, the the Astros, they know how to hit Lynn. I mean, I went to a game and personally saw Lynn destroy the Astros mm-hmm. six, eight shutout innings, but they figured him out. Uh, it, uh, he predominantly throws fastballs. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he, you know, you know, Lance Lynn's still legit, you know, yes. Keuchel, I mean, he did well for us. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I mean, he's not dominant, but, you know, he's he's not that bad. Mm-hmm. And then you got Grandal with his his veteran base running. <laughs> I just, you know, I got to say, you know, just uh, you got ru- the wheels. OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got the wheels, you know, but it's just for the life of me, when you run from home to first thousands upon thousands of times, you know, when you're running in the dirt, when, it, when you're running oh, in the grass. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know what? It doesn't Small matter. Small loophole in the rules. Oh, yeah. Exploit the rules. That's what veterans do is they exploit the rules. But it doesn't matter. I'm not going to be too petty. Uh, we all won that series. Okay. We, we did. Tom Hallian is going to be the home plate umpire for Game 3 of the World Series, which at this, as of this recording has not happened yet. And I'm not looking forward to him being like, yeah, you're out, <laughs> which he totally was in Game 4. Mm-hmm. No. Yes. Yeah, game four, but you know, it's not the ump show. So, um, yeah. But they think it is sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Joe uh, asked anybody? <laughs> Angel Hernandez. <laughs> Get him out. I uh, mean, yeah. Um, so, as we're wrapping things up, um, just kind of a, a kind of a you know a side segue. Um, you know, it seems you're so passionate in learning. You're so passionate in in your sports teams. You know, the Sox and the Packers and the Bucks. What are some of your interests besides sports? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, uh, obviously, preface this before I'm a huge reader. I I love just before going to bed, spending 
half an hour, hour reading. Uh, it's really nice just to kind of um, have a little escapism and just dive yeah. into stories. But of course, see the parallels uh, in real life. I have three cats. I know you probably just saw one move <laughs> move one from my desk. She likes to jump up. Uh, they're amazing. I love playing with them. They, they're always like sitting on my lap when we were in Zoom University last school <laughs> they, year. They were always go. taking notes alongside me. You know, don't tell my professors, but they were there when I was taking exams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, obviously, the, the usual hanging out with friends whenever I can, doing school events. Uh, there was a bingo night um, a few days ago, which was really, really fun. So uh, don't mess with me and my bingo. I, I won that. It might be a hundred percent luck, but I bring a hundred percent skill. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. You know, the, there's an art to it, right? You know, mm-hmm. somewhat. Exactly, you know, exactly. you, you got to pick the card, right? When you go up to the the, the, yep, the table, yep, yep. you know. There you go. There's I have to it. ask if you had the opportunity to travel to any other ballparks to see games. Yeah, so very limited. So, of course, guaranteed rate field. And then mm-hmm. I have family in St. Pete who literally live less than 10 minutes from Tropicana Field. So um, the last few times besides the 21 season and 2020 season, um, when the White Sox have been playing against the Rays, um, I was able to catch a couple of those games, which is really, really fun. Um, obviously, my goal is to visit all 30 MLB yeah, stadiums. Um, right the catch. But- yep. The catch, of course, is I would want to visit them when the White Sox or the away team, just to add that little go. extra incentive and just to oh, keep yeah. it even more entertaining. Oh yeah, yeah you'll be I'm, able, you, yeah, you'll be able to hit up all the AL stadiums for sure. Yes, you know, yeah. I'm so. doing the same as well. I've got that goal. I started. Uh, I've one of my friends. He inspired me to start to travel as well. He's been to just over like a third of all the parks at this point now. Oh. It's like eleven or twelve of them. Uh, yeah, I've been to a handful of them. So the old Rangers Stadium and then the new mm-hmm. one across the uh, street. I got to go to this year. Um, been to Chase Field out in Phoenix, and then went to my cousin who lives in New York City, got married over the summer, so got to go to a game at Yankee Stadium there, nice. uh, and then uh, got to go to Fenway uh, when I went to Boston right at the end of the summer as well. So I'm, uh, yeah, starting to make the rounds with it, and I'm, I'm hoping, I'm looking, kind of seeing on the schedule next year what are different possibilities for catching like two or three games, uh, possibly when the, uh, the, the, the Rangers are playing. And one of them I'm considering maybe is when they're playing in Philly, but I'm not yeah, sure yeah, if yeah. I want to be a opposing team's fan in Philly. Cause that's uh, <laughs> true, 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 true. Well, you know, <laughs> let me know if you're in Chicago. Like oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've got a couple right. of good friends that, uh, that live in the city. And so I've been nice. meaning to make a trip back and I might, mm-hmm. might try and swing in when they're through, uh, through playing the Sox next year and then head up the street to the Cubs as well. Yep. So, uh, Oh uh, yeah, you, you know, Ashley, do you want to go to Wrigley one day? It is. I had plans to go before, of course, the 2020 season got shortened. Uh, we we will make it up there one day. Though. One day. Not looking forward to it, but better catch them now because odds are the Sox are going to win that game. There you <laughs> go. They're in full rebuild mode. Yep. Uh, we have interviewed a, a Cubs fan. We did a live recording at a brewery, and the the owner was a huge Cubs fan. He talked about the Cubs-White uh, Sox rivalry from his perspective, but talk about it from your perspective. Describe the White Sox-Cubs rivalry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it, it's intense. I would say it's more intense for White Sox fans as a way to show respect for the Cubs-Cardinals rivalry, which is arguably the biggest for both of those two teams. But for White Sox mm-hmm. fans, especially because we haven't really seen postseason baseball uh, in a very long time, in the whole 2000s, of course, 05, 08, omitted. 
um, White Sox fans take it seriously because of that element that it brings postseason atmosphere regardless on whether either team is rebuilding, either team is a contender. Um, I was both a sophomore and junior in high school, sophomore year when the Cubs thought they were going to win it all. They didn't. And then, of course, they won in 2016 when I was a junior. Mm -hmm. And it really annoyed me because all of a sudden my school became major Cubs fans. Oh, like, it sold hey, out. Hey, 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 weren't you a White Sox fan? When did you get into baseball? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, of course. Uh, if, if that is what gets you into baseball, that is what it gets into baseball. I'm not a fan of people gatekeeping sports. Um, what I was not a fan of, however, was we play music during every passing period. It's like our two-minute warning to get to class. Every single <laughs> passing period, my ears were bleeding because the uh, Go Cubs Go song go would play. Go. Yep. And hey, it Chicago, was just terrible. <laughs> it was like myself and like the 10 remaining true White Sox fans. We would give each other looks in the hall and it was like, I hope the Cubs lose. So when the Cleveland blew the 3-1 lead, I was like, great. I'm never going to hear the end of this. Oh, yeah. Man. So outside, outside of baseball, I actually hold season tickets with a uh, with a friend of mine from college for the Dallas Stars, the NHL nice. team down here. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> there's, there's just these rant... There's random fans every single game that are wearing a jersey, not for the stars or even the team that they're playing, uh, but just some other team. And oftentimes, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, there's always like multiple Blackhawks fans that are just showing mm -hmm. up to <laughs> Blackhawks jerseys there. You could spot them because like the Blackhawks red is like noticeable from a mile away. Yes. And we're like way up there at the nosebleed seats. So we're looking at it, it's like a oh, Blackhawks fan, Blackhawks fan, Blackhawks fan. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, them and the St. Louis Blues and Detroit, uh, Red Wings, like they were just mm -hmm. some of like the most notorious ones. So yeah, I I don't love I don't love the gatekeep either, but but they uh, <laughs> ran that. I will say, and just like a random fan showing up in jerseys, like are yes. not even the team play. It's like, what are we doing, folks? Like, yes, it is. You are guaranteed to see a Cubs jersey at guaranteed rate field when the Cubs are not even playing against the Sox. <laughs> Every single. It does not matter who the White Sox are playing you will see a Cubs jersey, if not multiple. That's a promise that I wish I would be able to break. Oh, yeah. You know, both teams had their droughts. Um, you know, Sox in 05, Cubs in 2016. And, you know, uh, I mean, you're from Chicago. I mean, you know, the city is very segregated. It just seems like from the outside looking in that, uh, you know, the White Sox are the underdog. I mean, mm -hmm. the north yes. side is, you know, it's where it's at. It's more mainstream, you mm -hmm. know. So is that is is that dynamic played into it at all? I definitely think so. You know, you have the north side, obviously the more privileged side of the two. Yeah. Where, you know, the south side, uh, really starting from <laughs> the bottom, getting to the top. So many historical events that really led to that separation, of course. So mm -hmm. it's nice to see when all this good comes to the south side of the city. Obviously, the whole city when either of the team is doing well, but especially the south side when the Sox are doing well. Uh, it really brings that whole junction together. I mean, it's nice. You see, when I, I was fortunate to go to the stadium twice uh, during this uh, um uh, 2021 season and you know driving up to the stadium driving through uh, the downtown neighbor the downtown the south side neighborhoods uh, to get to the stadium you see people in their socks gear you see so many white socks flags uh, hanging off of balconies outside of front doors and you're like you really see the unification of not only the south side the whole city and it's just really really cool to bring that success uh, through the form of white socks baseball 
There you go. So, you know, we're coming, we're, we're closing in on our time and, and you know, we just want to, you know, close it off with kind of a forward looking question um, that, you know, Ashley, you're on the cusp of graduating college in May of 2022. Yes. Yep. There you go. Yep. Double major in health science and English, double minor in chemistry and psychology. Um, but, you know, at the same time, you find time and you carve out time to be a Twitch streamer. Yes. Ashley underscore Sanders, the Sand Squad. Um, you're, this, this Twitch thing that you're doing, are you going to do it as a hobby moving forward after you graduate? Are you going to go all in? What are you thinking? Um, personally, I do not consider what I do a hobby. I do take it seriously as a job. I plan to keep that going forward. I've actually been in discussion with uh, one of my favorite professors and we're, we're tackling how to both, you know, grow, uh, the business, the stream, the Twitch, um, as well as of course, um, um, going into grad school and looking at all those different programs because, you know, I love learning, keep it going. Uh, but I also recognize that there's something really, really very special uh, with the Sand Squad, which with the Ashley underscore Sanders Twitch channel, uh, that I feel like I would be making a very big mistake if I would just cut it all loose or not take it seriously anymore. Uh, no, if anything, that's just going to become a bigger and bigger and bigger um thing in my life and i'm very very excited about uh more opportunities that can possibly can come out of it there you go uh, those of y'all who are listening you know fans of ashley she's confirmed that she she ain't going away you know which, which is awesome because the world is better with you in it ashley thank you. you know um your streams are so wholesome and you know thank you so much for taking the time to join us and you know for, for just to get to know you uh, uh, some more go ahead and tell our listeners go ahead list all of your socials just tell them where they can find you well thank you Baird and Travis I, I truly appreciate you both carving out your evening just to chat with me mm -hmm. um, I really appreciate the both of you and I'm very mm -hmm. excited for when this episode comes out mm -hmm. um, for the Twitch it's Ashley underscore Sanders same as for the YouTube um, for Instagram it's a little complicated. Someone has Ashley underscore Sanders, though they've never posted and they have like two followers. And I'm like, hey, mm. can I have that name, please? No, I'm kidding. There you go. <laughs> um, but Instagram is a little more complicated. It's Ashley underscore 22 underscore Sanders. Maybe right. one day it'll be a little more shortened. Uh, then the go. Twitter is Ashley 22 Sanders. There you go. What What is their significance with the 22? That is my favorite number. And it stems from one of my favorite artists and Taylor Swift. <laughs> there you go. Love it. You know, unapologetic. She's yes. re-recording. She's getting her <laughs> rights back. <laughs> yeah. So exciting. That's what you got to do. You know, got those record deals. Yeah. We she's, she's like recording all this music now, too, that's like completely independent of other writers being in the process, like with Folklore and Evermore. And it's just like, yes. it's like you see, like, she is... She's someone that's like, we're going to be talking about her in like the same league as like Stevie Nicks in like mm -hmm. 30 years yes. from now. Yes. Like she is that good with She's everything. Incredible. Just yes. quick music thing. Being a music junkie, I'm like T-Swift. Absolutely yes. have to give. Let's I'm go. not like, I'm not even like yeah. the most diehard Swifty, but it's like, I'd be yeah. like, I've definitely come to appreciate her music. I respect that. Oh uh, yeah. You got to respect her. I know you've her. got a, you've got a merch store as well. And yeah, I'm definitely yeah. going to buy a shirt from you. Because oh, I've really you. enjoyed this. I definitely want to support other creators um, in any way I can. And uh, Barry and I, we've got our own merch store as well for No Doubter. Right. It'll be in the, the, the link for it will be in the description. Um, the always put oh, with yeah. our show notes. So we would love it if you take a look on there. We've got everything Absolutely. and stuff. Got, like, seriously, it's a 
like it's it's nice like the shirts are nice they're like those uh, those canvas shirts so they're like really soft yeah, and like that's why I have canvas. yeah, yeah and so awesome. like like fitted stuff it's not like wearing a cardboard box with a gilded mm-hmm. shirt so uh but yeah you've got that i've got hoodies like crew neck sweaters mugs uh like i just like all sorts of different things that the uh, uh, T public our partners put together on here. So would love for you to check that out as well and tell your friends and your, uh, uh, and your followers as well Absolutely. as they get introduced to us to help us support it. We're just trying to start building these little business opportunities in uh, any way sure. that we can. Yeah. Best of luck to you both. Of course. Oh Thank yeah. You. you know, no doubt or nation sand squad, the best squad, you know, you, you know, we're creating it uh, a bonus question. Uh, and this is very fitting for today. Should bullpens be called arm barns? I, I caught I caught the very end of that um, when I was walking to my car after my last class this evening. I was I was reading through that. Um, I don't yeah. necessarily. So I first want to say like I'm not the most educated on this matter. So take take yeah. what I'm saying with a grain of salt. Um, I personally don't think that needs to happen. I understand what PETA is trying to do to call out vocabulary recognition, see what changes can be made for that. I really appreciate it. Um, However, I think there could possibly be other um, issues surrounding animal welfare that could be taken care of first, although um, I'm not going to necessarily downgrade the initiative they wish to take in this. Um, However, I do think overall it's good to bring awareness and Little side segment, I'm not a fan of the phrase, let's go boys, in Twitch chats, knowing that not everyone in chat identifies um, as a guy. So I understand what they're trying to do, and I hope they're able to find a means to get that working. Um, But I don't think, as of right now, bullpen is the number one issue that necessarily needs to be targeted. Oh yeah, you know, uh, you know, substantive change goes a long way. Yes, you know, in yes. you know, words matter, but uh, you know, uh, I mean, animal cruelty is a real thing. But yes. you know, but you know, let's you know, let's talk about it. Let's discuss. It's mm-hmm. you know, whole can of worms for another podcast. Yeah, yes. so it's, it's a public relations thing, just kind of from my background. It's like mm-hmm. PETA, PETA is already kind of a punching bag, I think, for a lot of folks. Yeah. And so like they put that yeah. out, they put that out on Twitter, and it's just like yeah, everybody. Everybody like is gonna be like, okay, but like where's the work going into and like all these things that they can think of? It's exactly. like this should these should be the priorities of fixing before we we go this direction. So yes. <laughs> this yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely something to 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 look to work towards, but it's like mm-hmm. like it just kind of a face palm moment with what Pete is yeah, doing. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, you know, just the latest craze of the day. So mm-hmm. um by the time this episode comes out, it will possibly be game six of the World Series. If it happens at this point, we're two games in. We have no idea what's going to happen. Who do you ultimately think is going to win? Ooh, I've been saying the Braves for a very long time. Ooh, if I had to pick, I do think the series is going to six or seven regardless of the winner. Because of the Charlie Morton injury, yep, yep. and Valdez mm. really showing out as a rookie, I believe. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Garcia is a rookie. Garcia, Garcia. Excuse me. Thank you for that correction. Um, I think Garcia's. I think he's the starter for Game Three. Is, is he not? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is correct. I think how he performs will be the major indicator. If he mm-hmm. does well in Game Three, I would say the Astros are going to win it in six or seven. Um, if he struggles and Atlanta takes that 2-1 series lead and has the chance to then, of course, win in their home ballpark during these next three games. Um, I think it's going to be hard to beat Atlanta in Atlanta. 
They are very evenly matched teams, but we will yeah. see. Baseball's here, full 162-game season. You know, it's alive and well. It's just, We're all so happy about it. Um, but, you know, until, in, in the meantime, you know, keep killing it, Ashley. You know, you're awesome. You're a wonderful person in every respect. Uh, we respect you so much. And just thank you so much for taking the time to joining us. Well, thank you both. Y'all are incredible. I really enjoyed our evening. Awesome. Yeah, we would definitely love to have you back again on again sometime in the future yeah, this absolutely. is uh, <laughs> oh yeah for fun. sure all right well 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 you take care and we'll stay in touch thank you both have a great night all right awesome. y'all you too that concludes our interview with ashley sanders it was so much fun having her on the podcast and it was such a pleasure to hear her story Y'all need to check out her Twitch channel, Ashley underscore Sanders. She is such a joy to watch, and she has a bright future ahead of her. And definitely check out all of her social media platforms as well. And and as for y'all, thank you so much for joining us. Please subscribe to No Doubter wherever you're listening to this episode. We're available on all major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen. And please leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. We would greatly appreciate it. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at No Doubter Pod. And if you truly enjoyed what you heard, please consider joining our Patreon today to get an even greater level of access to No Doubter and help ensure that we can continue to bring you more of your favorite baseball content. Your support truly means the world to us. Also, check out our merch store. You can get decked out in all kinds of your favorite No Doubter gear, from mugs, t-shirts, hoodies, onesies, baseball shirts, phone cases, anything you can ever want, it's all there. All of these links to everything I described is in the description below. And remember, as we always say, as you're going into your life, no matter what you got going on, be sure to bat 400 and always swing for the fences. Good night, everybody. We'll see y'all soon. This episode of No Data was produced by Eric Bostick and Travis Lockley and edited by Travis Bostick. Our logo was designed by Lindsay Silbrick. 